This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook, Volume 2, and today is December 28th, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, my name is Jason Levy, and I was there from the summer of 86 until 89 to 90 or so. Okay. Well, thank you for doing this again. Welcome back. It's uh, it's great to hear your voice and, and to share some more stories with you. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. And to those of you who heard the Part one of my interview, I apologize for being back. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's not necessary. But uh, <laughs> let, let's get back to the to the uh, to the first interview or the first topics. We we talked about your positions at the station. If you wouldn't mind reminding us of the jobs you had at WR2. Oh sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, first job at the station officially was blues director. Took over the the, the blues program. And then I was public relations director. Um, I think I might have been program operations director for a short time. Uh, And then I was the first host of Good Morning Hofstra. Uh, First semester was with Paige Allen. Second semester was with uh, Mark Renee. Uh, And then I was program director. A lot of jobs to cover. So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, blues director. What was that? Yeah. Was there a regular blues program on weeknights or weekends? What was that about? There was. It was on the way out. It had been canceled. Uh, it had been produced by a friend of uh, general manager Jeff Krause, uh, a guy by the name of Ron Bush, uh, had oh, produced yeah. it. And uh, the new programming block that was kicking off at the beginning of the next school year did not include blues form. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what the story was behind that. Maybe uh, Ron was tired of doing it. Uh, And so we had that summer where it was still on the air and Ron wasn't really around anymore to do it. Uh, So uh, they tossed it to me to take care of. Uh, you know, no, all right, here, here's a show. It's on the way out. If he screws it up, no big deal. It's being canceled anyway. Wow. Um, I remember working with Ron on a jazz program he hosted called Reflections of Jazz. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being in awe of him, of, of his voice, oh, his knowledge, and just, just what a generous and kind guy he was. I, I guess you didn't get to work much with him, but do you remember him at all? Yeah, I, he could give James Earl Jones a run for his money for with his right. voice. Yeah, it's like a oh, deep down voice. You know, it could sound like Darth Vader if he wanted to. And, you know, uh, but yeah, very uh, large, gentle man. Yeah, yeah. He would always start the uh, the program with "Hi there," and I just think, how does he get his voice like that? How does he do that? It's just so amazing. But um, yeah, the man knew. His music and uh, and just what a what a wonderful soul. Uh, I think there's a was. word in Spanish. It's uh, cojones. Mm. <laughs> Explains a lot. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so you do the the blues show for I guess a semester or so, and then what comes after that? Oh, it wasn't even it wasn't even a semester. It wasn't even oh. semester. It, it was that uh, that first summer. Uh, the summer of '86, when I first joined the station, and uh, and uh, yeah, so it was it was maybe a month or two. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just making fun. sure it gets on the air and and exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, so public relations was next. Was that right? 
Yeah, public relations director. So um, was that something you were looking forward to doing, or is that another situation where like, hey, there's a job, are, are you willing to take this on? Well, I didn't come in saying, oh, I'm going to be the PR director. Um, it, I wanted to get involved, and there was the job opening. And I had some very limited experience with doing some of that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so I stepped in and uh, it, it was a wild ride as it turned out. Um, it was during my tenure as public relations director that the university was going through its whole uh, revamping of its image and its marketing. Uh, and the university brought together uh, people from all the different campus media outlets, the radio station, the, new, the two newspapers, uh, the TV people, and, and you know, the, uh, I think Nonsense, the, uh, the uh, humor magazine was represented. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, I represented the radio station. And uh, th there was this whole, they, they called it the University Image Task Force. Wow. Under under the tutelage of uh, Mike DeLuise, who was the PR vice president of PR uh, for the university at the time. So it, it was Mike and uh, vice president uh, Richard Block mm. uh, and president Short. Uh, so just revamping the whole image of the university. And it was uh, during that time that the, that uh, all campus mascots were killed off and uh, you know, the radio station lost our kangaroo Satch uh, mm. because it didn't fit the Hofstra image. Um, and uh, it, it was an interesting time. It, it, and, and it's at that time that the university introduced the concept of Hofstra pride, which at the time it was, you know, we're proud to be Hofstra. And uh, it kind of evolved into, I, I guess, uh, the you know the whole lion connection, you right. know, with, with uh, Kate and Willie being the mascots for the university. Uh, but that's where Hofstra Pride was born in that university image task force. How interesting the, to to see the the lines of how things go. Um, I mean, I was there just after you, and I remember the bumper sticker, and we had dozens of them and, and we'd put them anywhere and everywhere we could, but we're like, why can't we make something a little bit more edgy? Why can't we make something for particular yeah. shows? Yeah. And, and, and I remember Jeff at the time didn't give a lot of reasons. He would just say, well, because, yeah. and we yeah. didn't know that that had recently gone undergone a transformation mm -hmm. to that. So that it was the, right. the, the dark blue line on the bottom and then white and yellow or gold at the top. And, and, and the Hofstra pride circle over on the left side. Yeah. I, I designed right. that bumper sticker. Wow. So as, as it goes as a bumper sticker, it's a, it's a highly effective, really uh, nice bumper sticker. But uh, you know, when you're trying to do a late night uh, alternative music program or a jazz program and the, the generic bumper sticker was there. We were like, well, why can't we have something a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that? And the answer was always generally because you can't, but <laughs> we, we had no, we had no idea that the, this process had gone on just a couple of years before yeah. where yeah. the whole thing was redesigned and the kangaroo yeah. went away. How interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, I was trying when, when I designed that, I was trying to uh, maintain the Hofstra corporate image 
and maintain some semblance of the radio station's uh, previous identity using the font that mm-hmm. uh, for, for the call letters that the station had used. You know, I, I'm not quite sure for how long I mean, it, it, it became WRHU shortly before I joined the station. It was WBHC before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the font that was used for the WRHU, uh, you know, I, I wanted to maintain some identity for the radio station. So I superimposed that over the Hofstra colors and, and, and it flew, it worked. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was a, it was a classic look. And like I said, it would, it sold the, the station generally um, really, really well. Now, again, this, how much of this falls on you? Is this a hundred percent you and committees? Are you bouncing back to, to Jeff Krauss? What, or other members of the station? How much of this is, is your work? Um, for the, the, for, for the university identity. Well, for the, for the bumper step, for the bumper sticker. Oh, um, I, I honestly don't remember Uh the, the the details of, uh, I, I don't think it was really too much of a by committee design. Um, you know, I, I, you know, probably just kind of quickly sketched it out and showed it to Jeff and, uh, you know, he, 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 gave it to go ahead and hmm. you know I, I don't think we brought it back to the university i mean he, he jeff knew what was going on with right. the university and what the ultimate goal was and so uh with his giving the approval you know i i, I presume you know he had that in mind and so so he knew that would fly or at least be willing to uh take the heat if it didn't yeah yeah and i i, I think you know, you, you encapsulated a lot of it is that you're you're trying to work within the university guidelines, which were fairly strict. And part of I'm asking this for a reason. I, I guess I'm leading to it, but you're following the university guidelines and their wishes, and you're still trying to pay tribute to the things that were there before. And it seems like you got a nice balance of things. And I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get to is that for those who weren't at the station in the 80s and 90s, it's hard to understand, or at least the early 90s how much the university was involved with the funding and the programming, just the, the general direction of the station, that it wasn't, hey, we're here to encourage and support you. It's, hey, these are the parameters that we're giving you. You're going to like it. Does that, is that fair? <laughs> well, uh, when it came to the University Image Task Force, it wasn't singling out the radio station. No, it no. was the whole university bringing its uh, marketing under one umbrella and, and unifying that, which is the thing to do. I mean, they they were 100% correct uh, Mm -hmm. from a marketing standpoint to do it that way. Uh, As an undergraduate, you know, having this emotional, visceral reaction, you know, having the, you know, killing off the kangaroo and stuff, which also really hadn't been around that long, because like I said, it was only WRHU for a short amount of time at that point. Uh, But, but still... It was our mascot and being an undergraduate, you know, understandably, we were pissed off about it. But looking back as an adult and having some understanding of the way advertising and marketing works, I mean, they were absolutely right in what they were doing. Right. Uh, as far as the university's heavy hand with the radio station specifically, uh, 
you know, also looking back uh, with, with fresh eyes, I, you know, I, I know I always heard stories about the university, you know, cutting off funding mm-hmm. uh, to the radio station and kind of really riding us hard, uh, you know, with, with you know, the president insisting on the classical music in the morning so that he could play it at uh, outside Hofstra Hall and then they would turn it off when, you know, outside Hofstra Hall when the classical music programming was off. You know, I, I remember going to uh, President Schuert uh, at one point trying to convince him to uh, keep the radio station on even after the classics is over. Just, you know, let it play. You know, we have jazz in the afternoon. Let the kids listen to it. Uh, and I remember sitting in his office uh, and uh, with the uh, you know, at that time, his office was at Hofstra Hall. Uh, and through the window, you could see the towering library be, you know, behind him. And, I, you know, it's like every time we say, oh, but look at our wonderful library. And, you know, it's, it, you know it's, OK, terrific. But can you keep the speakers turned on? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I don't know the direction I was going with it. Yeah, you know, like I said, I always heard these stories about how there was this antagonistic relationship between the radio station and the university and Jeff and President Short. Uh, and, you know, we were always like just five minutes away from being, having the plug pulled by the university. Um, looking back, what a great way to motivate a group of undergraduate kids to toe mm. the line tightly. And I don't know if that's what Jeff was doing, uh, was, was telling us, you know, oh, we've got this common enemy out there called the university and we got to band together and, you know, go up against them and got to be careful of what we're doing. And, and you know, that, that's a you know, great management technique. Uh, or, or how much of it was actually true or, or exaggerated. But yeah, we always heard these stories about how, you know, big bad university is going to pull the plug on us at any second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, I, I've heard, heard those stories from various people. Um, but, uh, you know, at my time there, yeah, there, there was some stuff, the universe, like the whole Good Morning Hofstra thing. Supposedly, according to Jeff, the university wanted to get out its propaganda on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thus was born Good Morning Hofstra. And, and the university picked, you know, paid for it. You know, they, they found it in their budget to pay for it. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's there's there's many layers here and I think many things can be true at the same time here. I think there is that <clears throat> underground pirate radio mentality that was fostered to some extent. Well, they're gonna cut our right. budget and we have to, you know, do our best. I think there's the university trying to expand their image because when I started high school, uh Hofstra was a commuter school, but a little bit more. And by the time I was graduating and applying to Hofstra, it was, well, Hofstra is, you know, a pretty serious school. Yes, there, it's a commuter school, but it's also, you know, it's got a business school. It's got this. I think they were very purposefully trying to expand their image and to mm-hmm. make themselves into a more prestigious place. And like you say, it makes sense from a marketing standpoint to have a uniform way of doing things and to have 
uh, a propaganda machine to put out the message. I think it all makes sense. These things can be true. And I think there can be shades of gray within. And it's interesting because I, I talked to so many different people of, of different eras, people who preceded us, people who came after. And uh, the general feeling was, well, classical music, this is a college. Like kids don't want to listen to that. And it wasn't necessarily just for the students. Um, you know, the, the station was, uh, had many purposes. And, and that wasn't uh, even necessarily true. There were plenty of kids that got into the classical music. Right. But, but the, the broader community of, you know, kids who are pulling right. up for their yeah. 10 o'clock classes right. and pulling into the parking lot, they're not listening to, you know, purposefully listening to Dvorak. They're, they're just, they're just trying to find somewhere to park, you know, that if they could listen to top 40 music or something that was more along the lines, some kids might've listened, but I don't know that it would have been a lot. I don't know that we would have had a big pull among commuter students uh, in the 930 hour. Either, yeah. Would you even have heard of Dvorak if not for the classicals? Classic um, yeah. On, honestly, <laughs> and no. Properly and pronounced it properly. Right. I'd, I'd still be saying Shostakovich or something. I'd, <laughs> I'd still, <laughs> but you, you learn quickly when it's your responsibility to, to say that right. And you don't want the, the flasher in the, in the studio and Jeff Krause's voice on the other side of it telling you, you made a mistake, but uh, yeah, we, we learned, but it's just, I, I, I love getting this, the snapshot of the station and the university at the time for those who weren't there to say, we weren't just saying, oh, classical music is, is great. And all the kids want to hear it. It was, there was a mandate and it was part of the budget and it was part of the, the, the operating procedure. And that leads me into the next thing and talking about good morning Hofstra. And were, did you say you were the first host of good morning yes. Hofstra? And, yes. and were you given sort of two parts, I guess, here? Was there a morning show before that? And two, were you given explicit directions about what the university wanted to hear? Oh, absolutely. Uh, to the second part, no, there was no morning show before that. Okay. Uh, the, the station came on the air with the classics from Hofstra. Mm. Um, and uh, we expanded our broadcast hours to uh, two hours before the classics came on to uh, start with the uh, good morning Hofstra. And uh, like I said, the university found money in its budget to pay for it. Uh, they, they, you know, they hired Sue Zizza to mm-hmm. come on as executive producer. Uh, the two student hosts were paid for, uh, for our time on the air. Uh, so they, 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 and it was, uh, I think it was, I think we got paid to, uh, 20 hours a week, which, you know, yeah. You know, but plus the, uh, volunteer time, they were just hanging out at the radio station. It was a full-time job. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and it was very strictly regimented. Uh, the initial, what we did for that first full year, uh, was we, uh, essentially produced, 15 minute blocks hmm. uh, and, and we did it live with, with some recorded segments. Uh, and then we took that, that 15 minute block or, or a half hour block or something like that. And while we were doing it live, we were running tape on it and recording it. And then once that was done, we would go ahead and uh, replay the, the recorded uh, elements. Uh, so, you know, if we had like 15 minutes of us doing our propaganda spiel, 
you know, all right, we'll replay that and we'll break in every 15 minutes or whatever to do a quick news update or something. And and so in between the replayed segments, we do a, a brief live segment. Uh, so that was the initial format. Uh, and, and it was very regimented. Hmm. How often would the, the, the tape segment be rerun? Because you're on from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So I guess maybe yeah. once or twice in the morning. I, 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 uh, like I said, I'm, it was either a 15 minute block that got repeated or, or probably a 30 minute uh, mm-hmm. block that got repeated. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that first half hour we do, we'd record it. Uh, and then we, you know, then we rewind it and then play it for the next half hour. And then at the top of the hour, somebody goes on and does a live news report while we rewind that tape again uh and and do it for another half hour again uh wow. so or you know the, sue might remember the, the, the more specifically uh it was either 15 minutes or, or a half hour i i want to say it was probably a half hour every 15 minutes seems like a bit much for a bunch of college kids yeah uh, to, to to rewind and play every 15 minutes so, so that's going on to a real Sorry, that's going onto a reel-to-reel machine, and then you're just rewinding that and playing yeah. it back directly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, there were a lot of pre-recorded uh, segments mm-hmm. uh, that you know, we, you know, and there were other students involved in producing, you know, little bits and pieces, you know. And so we, so we'd have these carts, you know, pilot arcs. So the, you know, these are the carts we're going to play today, uh, and so uh, the two hosts would go back and forth reading announcements, you know, here's what's going on, you know, at Hofstra today or this week and, and you know, deadline for this and, and, and so forth. And we'll have more information on that right after this. And we'd pop in a cart uh, that might have, uh, you know, a, a, a promo of something, uh, you know, or, or, you know, a history of Hofstra or some, you know, he, 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 here's a, a quick clip about the, the concert that's coming up or an interview with somebody or something like that. Hmm. How interesting. So, so it was mostly focused on that, that 15 minute block or 30 minute block is mostly focused on things going on at the university or sporting events or, or programs mm-hmm. they're trying to promote. And then you'd break in and do a couple of minutes of, of live news. Is that, or are you focusing on local news or national news or, or just, uh, uh, whatever happens to be happening at that particular morning. Whatever happened to be happening, you know, we, we had the uh, AP uh, mm-hmm. machine, and you know, so we had uh, you know a nice blend of things. Um, and uh, I I I think I think we started uh, breaking away from the strict regiment and started doing more of it live. Because uh, you know, sitting there playing, you know, while the tape is playing for a half hour or whatever, you know, is kind of dull. Uh, so I, I think uh, we rebelled a little bit uh, and started doing more live stuff, uh, you know, for the full hour or, or 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 something like that. So, so just just instead of uh, same format, same. St- uh, information you're just doing it live yeah, instead I, of yeah okay. and, and and even reading the same thing every 15 minutes or every right. half hour or something like that yeah and and the whole idea was to get this message out to the community about how wonderful the university is look at all of the stuff that's going on on campus uh with a little bit of uh, heads up information 
uh, for the student body as well. But the, the, they recognize the power of having a radio station that actually broadcasts to the community. Hmm. And I think, I think that happened. I think it got the, what, what got their attention uh, was an event that happened uh, in uh, uh, the New Year's of uh, 86 going into 87. And I remember that because it was you know, shortly after I joined the station. It, it was something called the Instant of Cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and this thing, the university, the, the radio station just did a couple months ago with linking up with other stations, uh, that, you know, that just, just happened a couple of months ago. That this yeah. The big did. 88. Yeah. Andy yeah. Gladden called it the big 88. And I think it was right. six or seven different stations all sharing programming on the 88. Right. Frequency. right. Yeah. Well, uh, back in 1986, it was New Year's, um, something similar but it, it wasn't it, it it was uh us and supposedly some stations uh you know around the world including the soviet union uh and there was a soviet reporter that came down down to the radio station uh I remember his name was vadim lobachenko uh and uh, supposedly we were on tv in the soviet union in in theory at least um, you know, where they were interviewing us uh, about our involvement in this thing. Uh, and, and I think that's when the university uh, kind of woke up and said, oh, wow, look at the PR potential here uh, for the radio station. And uh, I, I remember Vice President of Public Relations, Mike DeLuise, running around. He had a, a, a folder uh, that had the Hofstra colors on the front of it, you know, just, you know, a regular folder, you know, like you put papers in and stuff. Uh, and he would, he was running around with his folder, just making sure it was propped up on the background, mm-hmm. uh, whatever direction that some TV camera was pointing. So there was always be, always be a Hofstra flag in the background of whatever image that was. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I credit Mike DeLuise really for, uh, for turning the university into the powerhouse it is today. For, for his efforts of branding the, yeah. the university yeah. and making yeah. a more coherent. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, you know, the things that you're saying and, and my recollection is that the more time went on, the more of these efforts, the more seriously Hofstra was taken as a university and not just a, a local commuter right. school, but as a serious yeah. institution. And then if we follow that line and then the building of uh, the new radio station that was then part of Dempster, mm-hmm. Hall and then the uh, the debates, yeah, was, the presidential thinking, debates, and all these things. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say how many how many presidential debates did Hofstra host, getting national attention that way too. I mean, I I I think all that really guys roots. You know, like I said, Mike DeLuise was the vice president of public relations, and that whole thing with the, the University Image Task Force, uh, and then the instant of cooperation, uh, and uh, the, you know, was this awakening. At the mm-hmm. university, the, the administrative level, the, the power of the media, and you know, hey, we've got somebody that actually broadcast here. So I think that that was the genesis of all of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I there's a, a phrase I've become fond of in in the history game that revolutions happen very, very slowly, and then all at once. And mm-hmm. you know, things happen. They build up. They build up, and 
maybe people don't notice it. And then all of a sudden, hey, here's Hofstra on the national, you know, stage hosting presidential debates and and conferences and, and things of that nature. And that's that's not all at once. It takes years to build that up. And it starts with we're going to redesign the bumper sticker. We're going to have a PR show. We're going to have these things. And it builds up over time. How interesting. Absolutely. How interesting. Absolutely. And so, you know, uh, and it's not explained to most students as they come in that this is part of a process, that this is a thing that's going on. And uh, another reason I love doing this is hearing from people who were there a little bit before me and from Sue Zizza and like, well, these were Jeff's plans for expanding the station and building the new place. And then unfortunately, obviously, he didn't get to live to see a lot of that. And then Bruce Avery comes in and then there's a the next leg of the relay and how the, the right. process happens. So right. how and interesting. The students, are, the students are temporary. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you know, you and I both teach high school now yeah. uh, and, and we've, we've both done this for a couple of years and, you know, we've seen kids come and go, but the rest of us that are still there, I mean, we see the big picture. Uh, students are there for a couple of years and they're very passionate for those couple of years that they're there. Uh, just like we were at, at Hofstra, you know, we were there for a couple of years and we were very passionate. Uh, but how long was Jeff Krause there? How long right. was President Schuert there? You know, they were there for decades. Uh, they were in it for the long haul. They were looking at the big picture and, and uh, we couldn't always see that. Right. And we, we weren't privy to the information, you know, like you said, Mike DeLuise and uh, people like Jim Sheehan and Sue Zizza. These were people that were part of a long term vision. Uh, and I don't know if it's just that, well, it's too hard to explain to you, kid, or it's just, you know, uh, you're, you're here for the moment. But um, I, I, I wonder if, if some of our attitudes, if, if things were explained in particular ways, we would have been more willing or if, you know, when you're 19 years old, it's, well, I want to do this. I don't, you know, I don't care about the long-term vision. I'm here now. How, exactly. that, how that would have played out. How interesting. Yeah, I mean, teenagers can't see past next week. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. If yeah. lucky. Five, five years ago is ancient history. That's, that's yeah. too long ago. I'm not interested yeah. in that. Yeah, that's 100% true. Um, that, that as the history t teacher is shaking his head right now in, in disgust. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things that's happened in the last few years is students now, let's say we're writing about the Cold War, they say the late 1900s as, as if it were, you know, uh, many, yeah. many centuries ago. And it just sort of... <laughs> Like my ulcer get worse. That, was last, that was last week, wasn't it? That <laughs> <laughs> was just like 10 years ago, wasn't it? That's just so I believe we're going into, as we record this, we're going into the year 2024 next week. I mean, that, that that's just science fiction territory to me. Oh, boy. All right. I, excuse me for a second. I have to go yell at a kid to get off my lawn. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so so this this time that you're doing the morning show, uh, yes. is a time of, you know, there's the Z morning zoo. And I think WPLJ had a big morning show and it was, it was a time in the New York city and long Island markets of these active and fun morning shows. Was For there sure. any, was there ever a chance where you guys got to cut loose or do something fun or silly, or ridiculous, or was it too tightly managed? Uh, it was tightly managed, but, uh, I, I am proud to report that we were made fun of by Howard Stern, who was our competition in that time block. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hear it, of course, because I was on the air. Uh, but somebody, <laughs> you know, somebody told me and they said, well, why weren't you listening to us? 
but they were listening to Howard Stern, and apparently Howard Stern said, hey, have you heard that uh, new morning show that Hofstra's got? Uh, and, and I don't know what he said exactly, but he mentioned us and was making fun of us. So, uh, you know, we got Howard Stern's attention at least. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's very impressive to be, to be noticed by the, the king of all media at the time. Yes. He's, yes. He was just about as big as he would, he would get on, uh, on terrestrial radio at that point. So right, right. very impressive. A little pat on the back there. Yeah. Um, so, so you uh, you mentioned you worked with uh, first semester was Paige and the second semester was Mark. Um, yes. Who were there other people that you were working with during that time period, or was it pretty much just a two person operation? Um, we you know, I, the the two hosts work very closely with Sue Zizza, who was right. the executive producer, and uh, we also worked with a ro- rotating crop of uh, other students. Uh, things became uh, editing projects in some of the production classes or announcing projects in some of the classes uh, where they were making segments to go on the morning show. And, and it was a terrific opportunity for them to, to, to make a whole bunch of minute-long uh, bits that, that we would play on the morning show. So we worked with them, and uh, they... I, I think they did some stuff in the official classes as well. Uh, so uh, th- there was a lot of work that went in there. It, it, it wasn't just, uh, you know, the three of us. I mean, you know, the Suze's, uh, Paige, Mark, and uh, me. So that's four, I guess, not three. Well, three at a time. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just an opportunity that, that there, there, yeah. there had been nothing yeah. on the air, or maybe the classic started at eight and moved to nine, but here's an opportunity to do more things. And, and uh, I'd like to think that people took at least a little bit of advantage of it. Right. And, and you know, it was a chance for people to take the Morantz, uh, which was, you know, the brand of mobile tape recorder that we had, mm-hmm. uh, take the Morantz out and get some actuality and go out and interview people, uh, you know, do man on the street type things, talk to people out on the campus and bring it back to the station and, edit it and you know we'd get it on the air in the morning show and so uh, while we didn't necessarily uh do all of that ourselves uh you know the 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 hosts of the program kind of had a you know sort of a supervisory you know helped out with things type thing right yeah that, that wasn't our the main you know our main job was hosting the show in the morning uh, but you know, we, we, you know, we were there, we want, you know, we wanted to help out wherever we could. I mean, so. you, you kind of alluded to this before that you're getting paid for 20 hours, but it was more like a full-time job. I'm sure oh, there yeah. was prep I mean, time I mean, beforehand and then afterwards. I'm sure there was a lot of time spent. Yeah. I mean, you know, the half of us you know, stopped going to classes and just hung out at the radio station all day long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, some of us were fortunate enough to get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, there weren't a lot of paid positions at the time. I think it would just no. would have been PD and yeah. station manager in the morning show, I guess. Right? Yeah. Uh, it, it was the program director and station manager were the two student positions that got paid. And that was it yeah. until, until the morning show. And then they introduced two more student paid positions and Sue is an executive producer. So they, they created three new paid positions. Hmm. 
So uh, again, it, the university in its own way is expanding the possibilities of what's at the radio station. It may not have been what the general population of, of students wanted to hear, but for those involved in the station, it's it's expanding opportunities and it's 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 growing the station in its own way. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Um, so you do a year of this, getting up early, and I don't know how you feel about that, but um, not everybody loves getting up early. But then you, I guess, for your senior year, you applied for a program director. Is that right? Um, I, well, I applied for it that, you know, a, a year earlier, uh-huh. uh, and, and there was some politicking going on. Uh, I'm not going to go into some of the details, uh, because, you know, some of it was addressed in some of your other interviews with some of the other people that were involved. Uh, but, uh, 88 ish or so, uh, there was some politicking going on. And, uh, you know, I had applied for program director at that point and, and Jeff came to me and said, you know, we've got this other thing and, you know, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll get it the year after, but we need you to do this now. So, okay. uh, so, so I did that and somebody else got program director and, uh, and at the end of that, then, then I got it. Okay. So it was something that was definitely on your mind, something that you wanted to do, uh, but uh, Jeff saw something in you that said you could handle running this brand new program that was, right. I guess, pretty important to the university. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and as I'd mentioned, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but I, I mentioned in part one of the, this interview, I, I did have a brother who was in the business professionally. And at the time, he was program director of a radio station. He, you know, I live in Florida now, uh, but he, he, you know, he, he lived in Florida before I did. Uh, he was program director of a radio station down here in Florida. Uh, and so there's that sibling rivalry going on. I say, Hey, you know, he, he, <laughs> uh, and, and he and I used to get into arguments, you know, between the validity of a commercial radio station versus a, a college radio station. I always try to explain to him, right, yeah, it's a college station, but it's run professionally. And I, I tried to get that through to him, <laughs> but, but he refused to see that. So there was that sibling rivalry there. So all right, he's program director down there. Uh, I'm going to be program director here. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, th- there was a stereotypical image of what a college radio station would be. And it's sort of a, a free for all kind of, silly exercise or, or whatever, exactly. but, but Hofstra radio was not that it was like you said, there were paid positions and there were uh, mandates and directives from the university and there were schedules to keep and FCC logs. Um, it was a serious job. Had a professional general manager who oversaw yeah. everything. It, it wasn't just a student free for all, which is what my brother Mark was thinking. Hmm. Well, it, it, I imagine you, you must have enjoyed the role uh, on, on some level. And were, were there things that you were particularly proud of or happy about from your time as program director? Um, well, it was during uh, my tutelage that the station celebrated its 30th anniversary mm. um, and uh, blew my mind a couple of years ago when we all got together for the 60th anniversary. Right. The 30 years had somehow passed. I don't know where those 30 years went. Uh, but it was during, uh, while I was program director, we, we were celebrating our 30th anniversary. And so, uh, we had special programming on, uh, to, to recognize that we had, uh, special IDs at the top of the hour, special, uh, historic clips that we would play periodically. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got, uh, you know, we got a 
got recognized by the town of Hempstead. And so someplace there's a photograph circulating with of us getting a certificate uh, from the town of Hempstead. I think it, it, the picture has, uh, I don't know, two political people. I don't even know who they were. Uh, and then the students, there was uh, Rich Radabali, who was mm-hmm. station manager at the time, uh, Dave Mock, who was our news director, and uh, I was in the photo with as program director also. And then there were the two political people who were smiling for the camera. I want to. I, I think I remember the picture. I think it's Tom Galata, who may have been county executive at the time, and I'm trying to think who else it might have been. Mondello, maybe. Be. That's a name I, I that no Joe Mondello. I think he was the Republican Party chair, but we'll find it somewhere. Both names sound familiar, but whether or not it was them in the photo, I don't know. Well, well, I'm sure someone will find it and we'll we'll have a correction on the internet somewhere. But uh, the point is, this is a big time. If Mock was still with us, he would know. Ah, God bless him. Yeah, I wish I, I I wish all the time that that I could I could tap into his his brain and his memory because he uh, he definitely had a great deal of institutional knowledge and and just just a genuinely smart and 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 thoughtful guy. So no uh, doubt in my, my no doubt in my mind at all that if if Dave Mock had lived, he would be the anchor at CBS Evening News. Yeah. Yeah, he was built for it. Yep. He was built for it. Oh. And on that note. Yeah, no, getting back to your, your time as, as program director. Um, so this 30th, 30th anniversary thing, that must have been a really big deal because people who had been with the station previously were coming back and you know, said all these events and things like that. That must have been a, a really great feeling to be uh, part of that and to working with, I assume, working closely with Jeff on that project. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Mm. It was a lot of fun. We had the 30th anniversary dinner and uh, like I said, alumni were coming back and, and we had, uh, you know, we, we were digging into the archives, pulling out all sorts of old tapes and, and editing stuff together, you know, making a special dinner tape and there's probably a copy of that floating around someplace. We, we've, we've published it in the podcast feed. And I think it's uh, in the first, within okay. the first 20 of them, I'll make a note when we publish this, but it's definitely out there okay. for people to download and listen to. And it's, it's spectacular. It's really great stuff. Okay. So I, I'm sure uh, I listened to it when you published it. Yeah. Um, so, so all this, all this happens. Uh, you've done so many morning show hosts and, and, and the blues producer and public relations. And you said a brief stint as, as program operations director, you've done so many things at Hofstra radio during your time, but is there one story that you always tell if someone, if it comes up that you were at Hofstra radio, is there a story that always you like to tell about your time there? I already did just now. <laughs> The incident of cooperation. I I, I yeah. wasn't really uh, involved in its creation or its production. I just lucked out and was there when it happened. Uh, and uh, to this day, in my high school history classes, when I'm talking about the Cold War, it gives me an opportunity to pull that video out and uh, and play it for a new crop of high school kids to ignore because they don't really care. <laughs> you're you're a primary source, Mister Levy. You're a primary exactly. source. They should pay attention exactly. to you. I was but, there. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's again, it's hard to sort of uh, convey the 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 magnitude of an event like that. That how divided the world was 
with the Soviet Union and the United States during the Cold War and the amount of tension. And I try to describe this to students as well. It's like pop songs, like music songs were about, you know, the bomb and about the end of the world potentially and this, yeah. this divide. And it wasn't just one song. It was dozens of them. This was yeah, part of 99 our culture. And, and yeah. uh, you know, Phil Collins had his hit. And I, I can see the video with the puppets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yep. there's yeah, there were there were dozens of them and we could we could spend an hour talking about them. But this was a very part, uh, important part of the culture at the time. And here is this radio station. And, and here you are making this this international uh, connection. It's just uh, it's so interesting. Yeah, I'm glad that's a story that you uh, you keep telling because it's well worth telling. Yeah. On yeah. the other side of things, are there stories that you've only recently remembered or things that you don't often bring up just for lack of audience or, or whatever reason? Are there any stories that you wouldn't be mind uh, sharing about your time that you really? Oh, let's see. I also alluded to one of those, but I'm not going to get into the details, the whole political stuff going on at the station, yeah. over the uh, program director stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Uh, because it's a story that, you know, you're asking if there's a story you never tell, I never tell it. So you're out of luck. All right. Um, fair, fair enough. Consistency <laughs> is good. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, um, a, a fun one that, that uh, I don't know, I, I don't, you know, there was a party at Mark Raguse's house one time and, and uh, one of our, you know, a friend went missing. Uh, and we were running around calling her name, looking for her. And it turned out she was sitting up on the roof, oh. watching, us, watching us all running around looking for her. That's uh, that, that is a classic college story. That is, uh, yep. Yep. yeah. All right. All right. Um, is there a song or an event or, I mean, obviously the, 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 the international cooperation event, that's, that's definitely something that, that marks your time, but I'm wondering if there's a song or a game or an event that, that sort of defines your time at the station. Um, human league for mm. some reason, I don't know why, you know, whenever I hosted uh, airwave, uh, I don't know why I always ended with the instrumental version. Uh, you know, keep feeling, you know, fascination. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know why it just it just struck me, but you know, not you know, but the instrumental version. Right. Don't know why. That's, it's just funny. Just some, something speaks to you, and it becomes your your signature, or it's just one of those things. But yeah, it was just um, always the last song I played. Oh, I love that song, and I, I, I probably, uh, I'm sure, I ran across that that same vinyl record at some point. Went, why would anybody play the instrumental? But, but there you go. That's that yeah. was that was your thing. Um, was there ever a moment at the at the station where you're like, ah, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this, or I want to move on to other things? Was there ever a moment you thought of stepping back? No, no, not at all. I mean, it it, it was where I was supposed to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I still, you know, talk to people saying, you know, Hey, you know, I peaked 30 years ago. It's been downhill since then. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not the case, but it's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty uh, impressive resume you have, uh, from WRHU. Um, are there things that, that you remember that make you laugh to this day? Were there funny events or jokes or things that just, just still make you laugh to this day? Oh, um, not, I don't know, not, nothing really specific. I, uh, just, 
thinking back, you know, listening to your podcast, mm. it, it, it brings back memories and, and, and it's going, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that person. Oh, I forgot about that person. And it's just like, I, you know, I thank you so much for your podcast. It's just, mm. it's, it's been fantastic. And, and uh, every time I listen, it just brings a new smile to my face and laughter and you know th things come up that I'd forgotten about or that it's just good to hear these people's voices again. Yeah, I think I think there's there's probably particular things that, you know, when you're when you're with your peers that you can think back, oh, do you remember this or remember that? But I think a lot of us just generally have a, a really good feeling of nostalgia and the creativity and the opportunities of the time. And I think that's that's a really uh, yeah. a, a nice way to look back at it. I mean, it's just this whole big melange of, of, of events and, you know, a lot of it is just a blur. Right. Uh, you know, putting the new antenna up on top of uh, Tower C, you know, that, you know, that was that was something I remember fondly when we were up there with then chief engineer John Caracciolo mm -hmm. uh, putting the new antenna up there, which I think is still the one that might be it's still in use. Um, I think the antenna is the same, and I'm sure we'll get corrections on this if not. I know the transmitter has changed, but the the antenna I think is right. still the same. But we can yeah, we can yeah, look yeah, into the that. Actual, yeah, the actual pod things that are up on the tower itself. Yeah, uh, we swapped those out. I, I want to say it was 1988. I haven't heard any stories since then that they were that they had updated it. They might have, and just you know, I just missed the story. Yeah, uh, but uh, that was a good time, you know, up on the roof of the uh, of the dorm. Yeah, what an interesting, what an interesting opportunity, and, and another big accomplishment during your time period. And I remember, you know, there's stories about bringing in a crane and all this equipment and engineering and all the stuff that goes into that. I mean, what a what a fantastic event! What a great thing mm -hmm. to be part of. Right, um, right. Not necessarily as a funny story as anything. It's just you were there. That's there's that phrase again. I was there, and, I was and you there. got to be part of that. Yeah. How cool. How cool. Um, fast forward and, and doing a hypothetical here. Let's say you get a call that we need you to be on the air. We need you to fill in for a show. Two part question. Uh, one, are you willing to, to do a show? And two, given the breadth of your experience, what would you what kind of show would you want to do? I would do it in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I would need somebody to do the button pushing for me because the technology has changed over the years and I don't know which button does what anymore. Right. Uh, but stick me in front of the microphone. I'm good to go. I would, I would definitely do it. And what kind of show yeah. would I do? I don't know. I, I might go back and do blues again. Because you know, I, 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 I still enjoy blues. Yeah, that's kind of re the reason they gave me blues form in the first place was, you know, here, here's a kid who likes blues. Let him do the show. So I might do another blues show. How interesting. I I, I, I guessed, I assumed it was going to be some sort of, you know, morning show kind of program where you could, could you know, flex your muscles a little bit and try something else. But you went back to the to the beginning, back to the blues. I hate, so. I hate morning shows. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen to the radio on the on the way to work in the morning i'm just like just listen to these people just shut up already they just go on and on talking about nothing and it's like yeah. oh man uh, really how okay now you're reading a story about a duck that you found in the news and, and say okay oh and then and they've got this group of people in the, in the background laughing about a duck 
or, right. or whatever, some innocuous thing that they just need to fill time with. And it's just, just, just shut up. <laughs> got it. Got it. So it's, it's, it's the inane nature of morning shows today. Not necessarily you have a, a, a bad feeling from your time at Good Morning Hofstra. No, like, no, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. No, it's, it's just the whole morning zoo concept annoys me. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Always has. Always has. Hundred percent. Um, what do you miss most about your time at WRHU? The oh wow, what do I miss most? The people. It's I mean, it's got to be the people, mm-hmm. uh, and the shared commitment uh, to something that we saw was bigger than us. And the willingness, the willingness to do whatever it took. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the experience at the time. Like you said, with the the limited budget and and limited equipment, you still had to put out a professional level program and and right. programming, and you had to do it, and you had to make it work. And maybe there weren't as many people around as you needed, but you figured out a way to do it anyway. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's definitely something to that. Yeah. Hmm. With equipment that's antique and falling apart. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I look at what the radio station has at its disposal now, all this new updated stuff. And, and, and that's awesome for them. Hmm. But I keep thinking about a conversation I had with an air conditioning repairman who had come to our house. And at the time, I was thinking about my son, who was at the time, you know, graduating high school and looking for careers and stuff. And so I was talking to this air conditioning guy that came to the house and uh, he said that they prefer hiring people without any experience rather than people who went to a trade school to learn how to repair air conditioning. And he said it's because the people at the trade schools are always working on the newest and the the newest technology and the equipment, the, the the latest and greatest stuff, but the stuff that they actually encounter out in the field that they have to repair mm-hmm. is all this old, antiquated stuff that's falling apart and needs to be repaired. Uh, and so when I think about what the radio station has at its disposal today with all the latest and greatest bells and whistles, I mean, I'm... On the one hand, I'm I'm jealous. You say, "Oh, I wish we had the the latest and greatest right. bells and whistles, whatever they were in the '80s." Uh, but at the same time, when you get out into the field and and if you pursue this career and you get out of the New York metropolitan area and you have to start at some podunk radio station in the middle of nowhere, they're probably not going to have the latest greatest stuff. So right. you're not you need to be able to work with the old junkers that that we had yeah things that are held together with uh with spit and duct tape and imagination it's yeah exactly interesting and still make it sound good yeah yeah absolutely so so speaking of life after hofstra radio um what were the things that you brought with you from your experience into your professional and adult life uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, my main day job is teaching high school social studies. And, uh, you know, in the teaching profession, giving lectures is really frowned upon these days. Mm-hmm. And I think that's usually because 
people don't know how to talk and give a presentation and make something sound interesting. And I, you know, being, you know, the, the cocky radio personality that, that's buried in, in, in there somewhere, you know, I think, well, you know, I have, I have training in mm-hmm. talking and pronouncing things and reading out loud. And, and you know, if I'm going to teach the students how to read, uh, let them hear how things are supposed to sound. Don't have somebody who's bad at reading out loud reading to them because they're not going to learn anything from that. But if you are good at reading out loud, there is a, a skill that translates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my side gig, I've got a business that I'm running on the side uh, where I am editing videos and occasionally, uh, if I'm lucky, I might do a voiceover or something, And but definitely editing the video. So uh, the experience of doing editing and stuff and having taken the TV courses that I did back at Hofstra, all that stuff is coming back into play with the business that I'm running. Hmm. And things that you wouldn't have imagined at the time would be important or, or the things that, that have stayed with you the whole time. The ability sure. to communicate, the ability to tell a story, the ability to work with different levels of equipment. Yeah, it's all there. It's all interesting. Um, if you could go back and time travel for 60 seconds and see yourself at 18 years old, is there a piece of advice would you that you would give to yourself? Go to class. <laughs> <laughs> go, definitely go to class. Uh, unfortunately, I walked out of Hofstra without a degree mm. uh, because I had changed my majors so many times and uh, spent way too much time hanging out down at the radio station. Uh, I, I walked out of there a couple of credits shy. Uh, so while my the paper that I have that says that you know the, the degree I have is not from Hofstra, uh, my heart is still very much there. Uh, mm. and, you know, it was twelve years later that I went back to school to to finish the degree that I had walked away from, and by that time I was living nowhere near Hofstra, so I had to go to finish it up at a different school. Uh, but uh, if I could go back in time and give myself that advice, is like go to class, <laughs> finish, <laughs> finish the class. That that is important. <laughs> Enjoy well, my, the radio station, but also go to class. So, some amount of moderation would be nice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. Well, I, the the follow up question I often ask is: Would eighteen year old Jason have listened to that advice? And one would one would hope so that you would listen to the advice and go to class, but it's possibly debatable. Eighteen-year-old Jason would have. Twenty-year-old Jason would not have. Ah. Remember, when I was eighteen, I was a computer science major. Right. When I was twenty, I was a radio major. So eighteen-year-old me would have listened to that advice. Twenty-year-old me would not have how interesting 
Yeah, I mean, we were kidding before about the, you know, the the mind of the teenager and and the, the amount of time, and that's 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 not a lot of time on the on the global scale. But in your life, that's a big difference between you know who you were at eighteen and who you were at twenty, and all the possibilities and all the yeah. things that you did at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Huh? What a journey, uh, Jason. This has been tremendous. Thank you so much for for sharing these stories. It's 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 an honor to talk to you and to get all of this out of you and. Uh, I, I, I keep saying this, but I feel like I got to come up with more questions because I, I want more stories. This is this has been fantastic. We need a part three. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll start working on it. I'll, 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 right. I'll get my AP kids to work on some questions. <laughs> Again, thank you. I, I love listening to your podcast and hearing all the old stories from all these Thanks. old friends uh, and hearing their voices and, and hearing them talk about other people that I'd forgotten about and it, 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 your podcast is, is fantastic. So, so thank you for doing it and thank you for having me on it again.